0: Welcome to A Page in History. Join us on a fascinating journey as we delve into the memories of the world-famous NBC pages. Get ready to hear firsthand accounts of their unforgettable experiences as they navigated the hallways of Burbank, California and the iconic 30 Rockefeller Plaza. Prepare to hear fascinating stories that were never meant to reach the ears of the general public. And now your host for A Page in History, David Harris Katz.
1: My next guest started her career as a West Coast page in 1977. Her first job after training was working for Rowan and Martin on the iconic hit show, Laugh-In. She has an intriguing story to share about penguins and it even involves the legendary Robin Williams. Through this memorable encounter, she forged a lasting friendship with Robin Williams and his wife. She'll delve into her experience with Robin, sharing why he was consistently a genuine gentleman who never failed to drop by and say hello. She even had the privilege of having his number on speed dial. She also has warm words for Jimmy Stewart, and she'll share anecdotes about his incredible generosity and kindness. She once had an unexpected encounter with comedy legends Chevy Chase and Richard Pryor. Tune in to discover the unique circumstances that brought them together and what memorable words they shared. She also had the incredible opportunity to work for one of the Beatles, Ringo Starr. During her time with him, she found herself in a rather unusual situation when Ringo's wife issued a threat. However, Ringo's response was quite remarkable. Stay tuned to hear all the intriguing details. She'll share an extraordinary once-in-a-lifetime experience involving the master insult comic himself, the legendary Don Rickles. She'll recount how she unexpectedly found herself in his comedic crosshairs with a barrage of insults flying like rapid bullets. You won't want to miss this incredible and far-out story. During her tenure at The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson, one ordinary day as she strolled through the show's bustling hallways, she accidentally overheard news that would go on to reshape the world. Listen in to discover the revelation and learn how it profoundly impacted the show's audience members. And now, shifting gears to a different kind of crazy wild crowd. No, we're not referring to your rowdy pals in the neighborhood bar we're talking about the unforgettable audience members of The Gong Show. Join us as she recounts her experiences working on the show and get ready to hear a particular extraordinary story. It's about one band audience member who refused to accept no for an answer and shockingly ended up causing thousands of dollars in damage to the building. Our next guest also had a close friendship with an actor from the Rockford Files. Prepare to be entertained as she shares an amusing tale of how this actor, along with her and a group of page buddies, went out to dinner at renowned Carol O'Connor's restaurant. However, what happened that evening will definitely surprise you and you're sure to enjoy this hilarious story so without further ado please put your hands together for today's guest lisa mattingly lisa how's it going lisa thank you so much for joining the show um you're welcome we really appreciate it yeah thank you and again um we had some uh technical issues jumping into the show so hopefully um, it's it sounds like we've gotten all straightened out. so for anyone listening, if it sounds a little bit uh different than others um know that we've uh we've called in the big guns to get this uh podcast to you. <laughs> we were excited to get it done <laughs> for today. So yes. um so where are you calling from? where right Where are you right now?
2: in Virginia Oh Virginia I here about two years ago after I retired to be close to my daughter and my granddaughter.
1: Oh fantastic. okay and you started as a west coast page so yes and you lived
2: 77
1: wow it's amazing isn't it feel like yesterday that you were a page yes it was
2: just yesterday that i was in L.A. for uh, about 10 days to visit with friends out
1: there so wow did you do any tv related uh excursions just just visiting
2: just visiting friends yeah i i had my share of tapings and things like that so
1: right Right. It's funny. I remember when I was in college, we would go to L.A. And, you know, it's kind of funny. And I guess I guess it's like tourists coming to New York. Um, You know, you see all these shows being shot out there. So everyone's like, oh, let's get tickets to this show and let's go to that show. And and of of course, they're all over the you know, they're not next to each other. So you're you're driving from one place to the next. And it's it's a lot of work to uh, go. to Exactly. Yes it's a big city <laughs> right 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 that's so funny so i guess we'll 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 just kick things right off um it was funny when i grew up uh i'm a little bit younger than you uh but my brother uh who's a little bit older one of his favorite shows was roan and martin and as a youngster you know as a little kid you kind of watched what your brothers watched um so i for some reason i have a fond memory of that show uh and it's so cool that you actually worked on that show. So tell us about what it was like to even experience the show, to be there. And then of course, tell us about, um, the Robin Williams story.
2: Well, it was, it was very interesting. It was thrilling. It was my first assignment after I, I did all my training. So I, I had to sit outside for a while to let the audience in and Rob, the other page that worked, it was just two of us because it wasn't a big audience. Nobody knew what Laugh-In 2 was. Mm -hmm. And there were no major stars on it because they were all new. And one of those new ones was Robin Williams. And he was just, you know, nobody knew who he was. He'd come from San Francisco. He was discovered up there. He was a mine. And And he was the friendliest, nicest man. And until one day. <laughs> and he was nice, but it was hilarious. I had been on an errand for the uh, production staff, and I was coming down the hallway between one and three, I'm sorry, two and four studios, and all the guys were dressed in penguin costumes. I was like, well, that's interesting. When they saw me coming, they just kind of, you know, stepped back and, you know, against the walls so I could get through. But as I got into the middle of them, they surrounded me and said, we'll respect you tomorrow. We'll respect (laughs) you tomorrow. I was like, I lost it. I I laughed so hard. I was crying. And it's just, I mean, his wife was one of the dancers on the show. She was super beautiful. This is his first wife. And it was just, it was so nice. And then one night we were at, And um, Joe Allen's a bunch of pages. We were eating supper and talking. And I looked up and here comes Robin waving to me, coming over, giving me a kiss on the cheek and and shaking my hand. He said, it's so good to see you. How are you? And I "I, I, said, I'm doing fine. I was in shock. And he said, well, listen, if you ever want to get into the comedy store, you just let me know. Here's my home phone number give me a call I was like uh, uh okay wow yeah he was just he was I have no words but I think about him especially with him being gone now
1: right and yeah he was just super and it's funny so he he was uh, what 20 years old at that point I don't even know how old he would have been I don't
2: either, but he, he was really. young he was young yeah you know and so we used to hang out at Joe Allen's and that's what they. Uh, restaurant I think there's one in New York City or it used to be and that's where a lot of like TV and stage people hung out in New York and and also it in LA and now they're both closed I think
1: wow Joe Joe Allens it's it's funny it sounds familiar I'm gonna actually check that out when I when we're yeah on. So they had the bad French onion
2: soup.
1: <laughs> oh really? <laughs> French, yeah. That's one of my favorites, actually. Yeah. I love French onion soup. So getting back to the Ronan Martin show, um, so Robin, so it, well again, at that point, nobody he was just another performer, but no one knew who he was. So No. Right. And I know they give him credit for credit um Morgan in
2: Mindia is his first job, and that's not true. Right. It was
1: and Martin's laughing too. Wow! And yeah, it's, and it's funny because I, you know, he was very big. I remember the what is it the HBO special that he did, which I'm assuming came later. Um, oh, do you I remember, remember that it, special. But... Yes. Yeah. But
2: did...
1: I'm a lot older than you. And my memory is kind of uh. Oh, don't laugh. My memory's going. <laughs> I can't. Barely... But yeah, I, I do the HBO special um and again we actually we have a comments um we have a comment section on a page in history.tv um uh if anyone wants to comment on that special and again i'll give a shout out to one one of our regular uh experts uh ken Hommel. uh he'll be able to tell us the date <laughs> the date the time and any any back hidden secret information about that show but that that he was so he was so talented and. And again you know we've had guests talk about him uh and i personally saw him you know many times at 30 rock uh, and there was one time where he you know met my tour group and did like a whole impromptu you know shtick thing uh looking out over the snl floor like he was he was yeah he was so nice i mean he was so nice and he was so talented um you know it's obviously a tragic loss Um, um but even for the for the Ronan uh, Martin show, what can you tell me about that? Like, what was it like? I mean, had they had they because that show was was produced in different segments. Like, they would just cut different blot. and right. different things. So, how did they shoot that, or what did you work like? How had that work? Like, what did well, you do for that? Many
2: times, it was only on the weekends that they did it, and they would just do you know their skits, and then they'd sit take the the sets down and then set another set up. And it was just kind of, I don't know. It was my first show. So I thought everything was fine. Right. You know, so I really didn't have anything to judge it by by, you know, at that point. And I can't remember if they, they did have (laughs) reminds me, they did have special guests on one night in particular. I can't believe this is coming to mind. (laughs) James Garner was the guest. And, um, so they moved the, all the crew and stuff, not any of the sets, down to the Tonight Show set for some reason. Ooh. So when we got down there, it was Robin they put on stage with a big trunk of hats. Ooh. Only hats. And he would pick up a hat, put it on and do a shtick. <laughs> and I thought James Carter was going to have a heart attack. He was laughing so hard. Because nobody had ever seen his talent, his type of talent. Right. And this went on for like an hour and a half. The man was just limitless with his humor. Wow. And if- one hat in particular it was like a pirate's hat, you know, with a feather. You mm-hmm. know, hope it's okay to say, he would open it up and he said, this is what it looks like from inside a woman's vagina.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> so it's just, you know, it, it,
1: Robin, Robin, Robin. And it's funny because his doing those sort of uh, quick bits and his shtick for Ronan Martin, that was perfect because they could constantly cut back to, they could use whatever he did and then throughout the entire show, just like cut to him quick. And he would do one little funny thing, go back to another skit, you know, come back to him. So they, they must've loved him because he was, you know, was able to just bang this, these, these, uh, comedic nuggets <laughs> out right, we used throughout the show, and yeah, so you, so you said they, they shot that in the Tonight Show studio just for space wise, or
2: just that one time, oh, we did the hats. for some reason. I don't know why we went down to the studio, wow. but yeah, we went from studio two down to studio one, which is on the other end of the building. Yeah. I ne- never did find out why they moved it, but. It's okay. It was funny
1: night. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then, so you're saying that, that each set, and I remember, for example, there was that big wall where the, where the uh, talent would open the doors and like pop their heads out of these doors and like say something funny and then close the doors. Um, do, are you saying that like they would build one set on the stage at a time and do all of those takes or, and then no. strike it or they had a couple Sorry.
2: They would have them built, but they were back in this, you know, in construction. So they would just move one out and then move right. another one in, except for that one night. So strange.
1: Well, right. So, so, right. So they, so they basically only, you know, like, like for Saturday Night Live, for example, they would, you know, they would have multiple sets set up, you know, not all of them, but a couple throughout the studio. But you're saying that for Ronan Martin, they basically focused on one scene or one setup, did all of the takes. And then once they were done, they struck that set, put a new one in and then do those um, those bits, I guess. Does that sound? Yeah. yeah. OK, well, wow. that must have been a lot of work. Um, yeah. To- long days. Yeah. Long days. Oh, my God. Wow. But it's so funny because, again, that, that show, obviously, it's it still lives on. And I think, like I said, I think of my brother, Stewie, um, who he watched it. Um, and it's funny because even there's many shows like the Wild Wild West and things that, you know, or even James Bond, you know, when I was little, he, you know, you sort of watch what they watched and um or he watched and it it sort of um affected me a lot. Um, yeah. So I guess um, and then you we'd mentioned someone that even goes further back, Jimmy Stewart. So that must have been an interesting story. What was that about? Oh, I was
2: uh, the, C- the CD, which was in charge of back hall you know the dressing rooms and the phone calls and all that for the tonight show one night and Jimmy Stewart was the guest, and he hadn't gone on yet I believe it was the night he he read the poem about his dog oh. dying oh, did you I, ever hear that I I have not no oh my gosh you've got to find that on the tonight show where they got a new dog before he died mm. and just the oh it's just it's a, Donnie was crying. Jimmy's crying. I was crying. Everybody's crying.
1: Oh my God! Wow. Yeah. Wow. So, um, but yeah. And
2: anyway, so I I wanted to see the monologue, so I was kind of down the hall. I didn't think he could see me. I was standing, uh, not in his doorway, but I could hear the monologue. And he, but he knew I was there. He goes, "Here, come in here and sit down with me
1: and watch it with me." Who who said that, Jimmy? He was like, Jimmy's, Jimmy's tour. Oh my god!
2: I was like, uh, I didn't even know if I was supposed to or not. I, like, I don't think i was supposed to. He said, No, no, no. It's okay. Come sit down. So, you know, the the very talented ones are the one that are ones that are most giving. I found.
1: Yeah, we we were talking. We've talked about that also in the past. That it's amazing that that you know again these big big stars you know, uh, the, and, and sometimes the bigger they are, you know, we mentioned Tom Hanks in the past and, you know, yeah. point, but it's like, they're doing their thing, you know, they're working, you know, You know, they're there to make an appearance. They have to, you know, do a good show, you know, and, 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 you know, present well, what he, what they want to do for the evening. And then it's amazing that they're so nice to the pages to, to like, and, and, and literally change your world, you know, world, like even, even you all these years later to think that he <laughs> pulled you in and said, come sit down. I mean, that's what? something that's, it literally, if it, you know, it, it, it affects it's you for your whole real. life.
2: Right. Yeah. I would never thought that would have happened, you know?
1: Oh my God. And yeah. and so what, so you were just, you were just watching the monologue together or, um, yeah. and that's, yeah. how, and how long did you stay there for?
2: Well, the monologue and then they went until they called him to the stage
1: oh my god
2: <laughs> so it's about, you know about 10 15 minutes yeah
1: wow were, were there other folks in the room with you or
2: no just you know I mean, He already had the door open
1: right so it's
2: like people would walk by and they were walking by they looking at me like what are you doing in there girl
1: right right wow it's so funny yeah. and i remember it's it's when i was you know uh in new york we had a show called live at five and we had um the green room and and it was funny yanni and linda evans who were dating at the time did, yeah. you know who linda, right so at the time i was i was dating um a greek woman uh who anyone listening to this podcast knows about who's um uh, the best in the world and i i remember going into him because he's greek and linda evans was not. Uh, greek, but they were dating and the whole greek non-greek issue thing was an issue with this person and i literally sat there with yanni and it I, and it must have been it was at least 15 minutes i mean it, and he probably wanted to punch me in the face but i literally told him the entire story and and linda and i'm literally getting feedback from both of them you know, well, David, this is what you should do, and Linda Evans giving me advice, and and on and on and on, and then at the end we were going to see him in concert, and he literally uh, he let us come backstage, so I wound up taking her backstage after the concert. I was like, oh, guess what? I have a surprise for you, and then we went back and met him, and she he was like, oh, you you know, David told me all about you and and everything else, so again these i these superstars have no idea i'm I, you know 30 30 years later i'm still telling that story because it's such a to them it you know it may be insignificant or maybe it's not i know it's you know again they're preparing to go on air so having someone talk to them and and sort of distract them i probably would get get annoyed but again that's why they're superstars they they you know, it's so nice. with that
2: handprint on your heart,
1: don't they? Yeah. I mean, I'm still, you know, Yanni is my favorite. I mean, we we saw him in concert, and that was you know, that was her her, her favorite performer. And oh my god, it just it's it's so amazing. So again, just it's it's so cool to have these people It'd be so nice to us. Um so I guess then you had some other encounters with um Chevy Chase and Richard Pryor, who were two <laughs> again, big <laughs> big wigs. So what what was that about? <laughs>
2: Well, with my connections, being from NBC, or working at NBC, I became friends with, I hung out at the comedy store a lot. Oh. And um, I became friends with Sandy Shore. Michi oh, yeah. Shore, the owner, her daughter. And um, so we used to babysit Pauly, actually.
1: I was going to say, Pauly is the son, which most, I don't know, for if, if those listening, that Pauly Shore's mother literally he, started the careers of like, everyone so yeah
2: exactly
1: totally iconic
2: but we wanted to end his career he was the third head but anyway (laughs) um so one night i think it was richard Pryor's special i'm pretty sure um afterwards there was a a party at um at missy's house and um so He had not arrived yet, and a bunch of the comedians were sitting around with me and Sandy. Sandy and I, rather. And um, one of the guys made a joke about, yeah, I play basketball with Richard Pryor. I I let him win. (laughs) And, okay, and then so my smart mouth said, well, you know, I played back game with him. And I let him win. And all of a sudden he said, F-U-C-K, you all, every one of you. I was like, oh, shoot, he heard us. <laughs> he was standing there just glaring at us. Wow. And that was right before. Or it could have been right after. I can't remember exactly. But he was supposed to marry that, a Pam Greer.
0: Oh, married yeah. somebody
2: else's dad. And she was threatening to kill it. And it was just a mess. And then another night, no, it, been, no, it was the same night. Um, Sandy and I went into the kitchen to get something. She couldn't find it. So uh, she opened the cupboard, and there's a Chevy Chase in the dark, standing in the cupboard. He just was kind of looking around and looked at us, and then took the door from us and closed it back. <laughs>
1: really, that's so weird. Really,
2: that wow. is weird. Wow, he was weird.
1: <laughs> that's funny. So, you, so you're in Mitzi's house with like a party. So that right. that, that that um. So not only was uh, Chevy Chase and and Richard Pryor there were there there must have been dozens of other insane celebrities there Isn't oh
2: that... yeah there were but there those two stuck out
1: <laughs> wow do you remember who else was there
2: no honey I really don't I just wow. those two they just put it they itched a place in my brain that wow
1: night. that's funny that is funny but that...
2: anytime I wanted to go to the comedy store all I had to do was show up at the door and I come on Lisa <laughs>
1: Wow, and it's so funny because the uh, actually the comedy it's still it's still open, isn't it? Yeah,
2: it is, but it's not what it used to be.
1: Right, right, right.
2: No. And because yeah, a- I, I was just out there and I drove by and it's kind of looking dilapidated. They're not taking care of it. And I'm not. They say his youngest, the youngest child, which I can't remember his name. I thought Pauly was running it now, but they said it's the youngest child that's running it because Sandy. Mitzi's daughter died oh maybe about 15 or 20 years ago of cancer oh wow before I think Mitzi, because Mitzi also died of cancer
1: hmm. okay so I I, didn't, I, didn't, I it's it's funny I've seen stories you know about the club and such I didn't realize that wow yeah. and I guess I guess also you know um nowadays or back then just like a comedian getting on the Tonight Show, that was the ticket to stardom so if you can get on and get you know johnny's approval you would God. you would hit it now unfortunately you know all you got to do is go on tiktok you know and and do something and then the world sees you so back then you know um you know even like um uh well catch a rising star or or uh, in new york city um uh, in uh, Soho, what? And I, I can't think of the name. You know, the very famous comedy club as well um, that people would show up to. Um, uh, you know, the the world is diff is a different place. So I guess the the need to go to comedy clubs, unfortunately, you know, things have changed. Um, yeah, but it but it was. I'm trying to think of the, my brain. Caroline's. No, well, actually, it's funny. Caroline's was in the city. They moved to Times Square but they recently closed because of the um, way that New York city is handling stuff. <laughs> we'll just leave it at that. So, yeah. So Caroline's, I believe, closed, but um, it's, um, I
2: think I know which one you're talking about. because
1: all, I, It's the most famous. I can't, I can't believe my, my brain is not. Right. The improv, the not well, you had the improv, you had, um, well, you had Dangerfield improv- down on, on the East uh, east side, but it's um. I'm gonna. I'm gonna actually look it up while we're while we're here. Is that funny? I I do find myself um uh forgetting things. I'm I'm I don't know why. I guess my brain. I just can't remember everything. The comedy club in uh, I think it's on Bleeker. Uh, let's see. Uh, we have New York. Let's see West Side Comedy. Kind of like, and it's funny. We did. Uh, I have a show that I produced uh, called uh, Date While You Wait," and we actually teamed up with the New York Comedy Club. And they allowed us to um, shoot, in the, shoot, in the, shoot in the club during COVID, which was weird. Uh, it's actually the Comedy Cellar, of course, ha- the legendary Comedy Cellar. I mean, this place, <clears throat> you never know who's going to show up. You know, Seinfeld just pop in or 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 Hi. Chris Rock or anybody else. And I've been there many, many times. It's, you know, it's a, <laughs> which most clubs are. They're just like a hole in the wall, um, you know, and they just jam everyone in there. <laughs> but they are, they are amazing. Um <laughs> So that is, no, that's amazing. I mean, it's just so, so cool that you were able to do that. um, And just, um, and of course, Richard Pryor just going on to, you know, superstardom, um, you know, and, and and just, it's just amazing. So uh, I guess we'll go on to the next, another super (laughs) superstar um, named Ringo Starr. Um, I mean, again, so tell me about, so you were working for him. As as his assistant of some sort, or it's what was that? CB. I was yeah. So what is does C- CB? Right. So explain, explain to you what what does CB stand for? Do you remember?
2: You work with a production company.
1: It, what, what does it stand you for? You answer then? the
2: phones. You, run, you run for that. You don't have to seat the audience. It's, your job is strictly with the production, and I forget what
1: it. For. Oh, it stands for. Okay. That's I can't stand for. And someone told me because in in New York we didn't have that term. Uh, totally. Yeah. We didn't use that. Um, and, and yeah, so uh, yeah, we didn't use that or at least not during my time. So again, if anyone knows what that is, go to a page in history.tv and, and put it in the comments. Oh, her book. That's right. Yeah. We can give it. We give a shout out to Shelly. Shelly is a friend of yours and she wrote a yes. book called, um, do you remember the my exact peacock title? Tail. Yeah. My, my peacock tail. My peacock tail. So yeah, she, she has a um, a book full of stories. Uh, and she was on the show, so if if and I believe you could get it on Amazon or or bookstores all over the place. So yeah. I recommend people to check that out.
2: I, I even went into Barnes and Noble
1: to see her book. Oh, really?
2: And they were sold out.
1: Oh, <laughs> wow! It's so cool. Yeah, that is really. I mean, it is amazing to to write a book and and go in and, and like check to see if it's there. It, it it's it's one of the and again it's just to think it it all started as a as a page, you know, um, right. It's so cool. So tell us about yeah. the Ringo the Ringo story, like how you and, and how would you get that assignment? Did they just pick you?
2: Well, that's just it. I read Hollywood Reporter just, you know, because I was trying to also get into acting and I saw where he was doing a special at NBC. So I went to the lady that schedules it and I requested to work the show or to be the CD mm. and I got the job. Wow. <laughs> so yeah. So you, you you know you have to keep in touch and you know finding ways to get higher in the the chain of command or whatever. Right, yeah. But um it was just a, a great day. John Ritter was on the show. I can't remember other than him where the cast was. Yeah. Uh, Herman Her Peter Noon of Herman oh, wow. Hermits wow. was in the audience to visit him. I had to tell him. He had a glass of wine in the audience. I said, there's no eating, drinking. (laughs) Or anything like that in the audience. He looked at me and took the the rest of his wine. He handed me the glass. I was like, well, that was rude. (laughs) But anyway. So all day long, Ringo's ex, Maureen, kept calling, wanted to talk to him. I said, I can't bring him to the phone right now. He's busy. And finally, the the last time she called, She said, if you don't get him to the phone, I will have your job. (laughs) I said, okay. So I went back to Ringo's dressing room, knocked on the door, and they said, come on in. And I said, Ringo, your ex-wife Maureen's on the phone. And she says, if I don't get you to the phone, she's going to have my job. He said, honey. She couldn't do your job.
1: (laughs) Oh, that was great! (laughs) That's funny.
2: (laughs) So I went back to her and I said, uh, "Ringo said you couldn't do my job," and
1: I hung up. Wow! She didn't call back. That's funny, and again, don't you find? I just, I still to this day get such a kick that. That, you know, like here it is, you're just, you know, I mean, not just a page, but, you know, you're a page or you're, you're lower on the totem pole and you had access to just walk into his dressing room and be a part of that situation. And I think that was the magic of being a page that, you know, we, we were the lowest on the totem pole, but, but we ran the place, but the we time ran time. the place. Exactly. I mean, they really we had access to all of the stars everything and anything you could imagine we we could sort of do whatever we wanted and uh, you know it it was it was so it was just so insane so so you never so after that he she she never mentioned you know that was it he never uh she never called back never called back and that was the end of it wow i think that's so funny and did he did he so he performed on the show? What was, that was, he, what was
2: doing? I can't remember what it's about, but it's it's on YouTube. Wow. It's like a futuristic type thing, and John Ritter was on the show, and I've got a story about John Ritter too.
1: Oh, sure, yeah, um, okay,
2: yeah, and um, but you can find it on YouTube.
1: Wow, and and none of the other Beatles were there. I'm assuming no, no, okay, no. No, hanging out. <laughs> no. Wow. Okay. So, what was what was John Ritter's? Uh, who again? Great person. You know, he was such a nice guy. Obviously, nice. It. Yeah. What was what yeah. was his, yeah?
2: He was there two weeks in a row. He was there for Ringo's, which was the second. One. I'll I'll finish that story in just a second. But he was Michael Douglas, who used to do his show in Philadelphia, came to to um L.A. for two weeks and did his show there. So, me, or Shelly and I got the CB jobs. She would do one shift, I would do the other shift for well, this particular day. Don was the guest host with Michael. And um, so, he, it was the end of the day, it was like 11 o'clock, and he was doing the introductions of the who the stars were and what was going to happen. And he kept screwing it up. I mean, kept on and kept on and kept on. And I was like, oh, my God, John, let's get this done. I want to go home and go to bed. <laughs> oh, and he screwed up. He just kept on. It almost lasted an hour. Wow. Afterwards, he came up to me because I want to thank you for saying stuff because – if he finally got me to do it right. And I was like, I was like, you've heard me. He goes, Yeah. And I thank <laughs> you. I was like, Oh my God. Well, I'm going to be fired. Wow. And then, yeah. But he was so nice about it. And the next week, he came back to do the Ringo Starr special. And he remembered me and he grabbed my hand because he wanted to find out more about me. And I told him I was from Kentucky, he goes, Oh my God. My dad's from Texas Tennessee. I said, I know, Tex Ritter. Because you know my dad. I said, I didn't know him, but I know of him. Right. He grabbed yeah. my hand, ran me back to his dressing room and his mom mm. and his brother were there and he wanted me to be to him. Uh, it's I would I, I just was like dumbfounded. Right. And he was that sweet. And I would see him out it like the man, you know, and he'd see me he'd holler out, Lisa i mean
1: it's just you know it's like it became their friend right well and he and at that time actually night um he was did he have three's company at that point or no yes. he did yes. oh he did so he, he was he was like a huge star time. yeah then he was yeah. he was through you know that was a ginormous show um yeah wow actually it's funny um sp- actually f- speaking of even that show and i'll, I'll mention ken homel again Ken posted, and I guess it's on YouTube. He posted the unaired pilot of that show of three's company and the two and I watched it. It was, it was amazing, but I think he was the only one in it. The other two, I think Joyce DeWitt and uh, Suzanne Summers, I don't think were in it. Uh, they had two other women, uh, but it was so fun to watch the show, you know, in in a way that was not, what we, what I knew growing up, you know, um, right. so, it was so fun to watch. Wow. That's, that's amazing. So, and again, I don't understand, uh, not that I don't understand, but I, I have to give a shout out to these, these big stars that, and I, and like you mentioned that he brought, you know, to introduce you to his mom and stuff like, like I've heard those types of stories before where these people are so nice. And I, and again, I, I wish, like I said, I try to be as nice as I can, but I know that when I'm, sort of working or I'm in, 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 you know, doing something, I'm so, um, not nervous, but I'm so stressed is the way, is the word. And I'm like, I, you know, I'm I'm trying to make sure that I hit every, do everything I need to do and everything works the way I want it to work. So I really don't have time for small talk because it's, it's like distracting to me. So how he was able to to you know first of all to thank you for you know for the comment and then you're like oh you heard that and not get upset by it and then just be so nice and then you know and then when you said from Kentucky um it's just such a nice thing I don't know I don't know what to say and I I just you know god bless all those guys that are that are that are like that
2: and you know it's it's the ones that that think they're popular and famous but really aren't they are the rude ones
1: right I will. You're, you're absolutely right. You're right. The ones that are that are really not that underlings. Big, yeah, they they sort of they have this air, you know, with their entourage and all this other stuff. Right. And they're literally, you know, um, I don't want to say nothing, but they're they're not as important as they think they are. And, and we've mentioned Jay Leno, you know, Leno walks into 30 Rock, you know, by himself in his jeans outfit. You know what's going on you know how are you guys doing you know when you just talk to people you know um totally will talk to you won't run away just like the nicest guy and and you got to give you know you got to give him credit and and I and you know we've talked about how that whole tonight show thing went but but the he was such a nice guy and he you know i i think he he deserved you know he deserved uh the success that he had because he he was yeah. so, so nice do you, yeah. do you have any recollection of any other stars uh, that we haven't sort of talked about that come to mind? Oh, oh,
2: Don Rickles. Have I told you that story yet?
1: Oh yeah. Well actually he was going to be the next one I asked you about. I'll, I'll give a shout out. Okay. My, my dad, his favorite uh, comedian, or one of the favorites was Don Rickles. And I, lo- I, I think he was hilarious. So, so yeah, tell us about him.
2: Well, he was doing CPL shark. Baby. Studio one was Johnny Carson show and studio three was CPO Sharky. So I was working the tonight show that this particular night, but I was on break. So I went in to watch the CPO Sharky taping and I was standing there and the, the, the guys, his co-stars were standing there and um, so they had break in action. Don Rick was looked up over at me and he goes, look at her. She thinks she's fancy. She thinks she's popular because she's standing over there. She's just a page. And you know how he can be. And I was oh, yeah. like, everybody thought, well, that's was. I was like dying laughing because I knew it's just him. He didn't mean anything by it. Right, right. But I felt, I felt honored.
1: Oh, to be yeah. It was
2: his jokes.
1: Wow. So, and it's funny. So, C.P.O. Sharkey, um, well, one is that, you know, that it's interesting because, that was more of a like a sitcom, right? Uh, or or right. you know, yes. so it's interesting that they were doing a a you know a, a situation comedy in that building, not too far from Carson's show, because obviously Carson and and most of the other shows were like talk shows and things. So it's interesting to have a uh, you know a, a comedy like that, and then and of course the famous. That famous thing where where uh, Don Rickles broke Johnny Carson's...
2: I was just going to say that. Yeah. yeah.
1: So tell, tell the folks about that story if they haven't heard it.
2: Well, the night before, Don Rickles was on the show. I forget who the guest host was. Donnie never came in on Mondays. Hmm. He had Monday nights off. So there was always a guest host. And, oh, oh it was Bob Newhart, I think. Oh, wow. Anyway, he picked up Johnny's cigarette box. It always was on the desk. And he slammed it a couple times and it fell apart. Mm. Well, the look on Bob Newhart's face and, and Don Rickles was like, he tried to put it back together. But anyway, <laughs> the next night when Johnny came in, or was sat down at the desk, he was talking and, you know, using his pencil to drum and all of a sudden he was just drumming on the cigar box the cigarette box and it fell apart and he was like (laughs) what's going on here and everybody says don rickles so he picked that up and he walked across the hall and approached don Don rickles was like oh gee my knee." it was just really funny you can see that on youtube also there's a video of that
1: Yeah, because that that cigarette box almost could have been like the Ark of the Covenant. (laughs) Like like that was Johnny's like favorite box. And when it. Yeah, to drum. Yeah. And then when when he broke it, it was almost like Don Rickles wanted to crawl under the desk like he didn't know what to do with himself. He was like. Oh my god i just like i'm gonna like i'm gonna someone's gonna cut my head off like this is gonna be my major career my career is over exactly and then when you know and johnny of course his his comic timing is impeccable you know when he saw it broken it was like oh no and then when Here he walked over yeah walked over to, to them doing the live show uh, or not live show, but they were they were taping the the CPO Sharky, Don Rickles also like didn't know he, he wanted to crawl under the floor. I mean he he didn't know what to do with himself, and and he and did. Carson yeah. was like. I mean, it was just so hilarious, and it was. Yeah, I mean, so again, if if people, um,
2: uh, I mean, a lot of people thought he was staged, but I don't believe it was.
1: Right, I don't think so either. Either because I think when when he broke it, it looked to me like he was it just naturally, you know, like he was he shouldn't have been touching it, but you know, he he it just you know sort of fell apart, and um, right. yeah, Johnny, you know, I don't, and it's funny. I wonder if Johnny, I'm sure that he really was genuinely upset but he he figured he would milk it and, and milk all the comedy out of it and and exactly. do something with it which again which is why johnny really was the was the king
2: yes he definitely was yeah
1: you know? yeah so and I, so speaking of the king and that i didn't i didn't even plan that uh tell us the story about when you were walking through the hallways uh you know near the tonight show about what you overheard yeah. And how that just, went over.
2: That was my next note.
1: Okay. So, my, so we, we think a lot. Right, so
2: 16, 1977, I was walking down through the down the hall to go outside to work. Um, I believe it was the gong show. I'm not sure which show it was. Hmm. No, it was, a tonight tonight it was the tonight show. It was the tonight show. And I was walking around, I mean, and walking through the hall, and I heard them say, Yeah, I almost presently died today. It's like, oh no! I mean, I wasn't a big fan, even though I'm from the south. I just wasn't a big fan. So I went outside. It was very hot. I took my jacket off and was carrying it. And I said, "Well, I just heard Elvis Presley died." Mm. Women started screaming. They started fainting. Mm. People were. It was a mess. I thought, "Well, my career's over." Ooh. I opened my mouth again. Wow. It was, I I mean, I know people were crazy about it, but that was something I didn't expect.
1: Right. Well, yeah, it's funny because, and again, obviously back then nobody had a phone. There was no real Why? means of getting information. So for the, if they were going into the ending, and again, for the listeners, the Tonight Show uh, was recorded at 5.30, right.
2: uh, live to
1: tape. And, and, and we then, went
2: out to work the lines at three, no, three thirty. Right. I started seeing the audience at five. So those people were standing out in heat,
1: right? Screaming
2: and crying.
1: Yeah. Right. And 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 the uh executive produced was it John um the De, a the Court right Decordova. De, DeCordova, De DeCordova, yeah, DeCordova. Fred DeCordova. Um because again he his job is to put a show on and basically he probably could have gotten away with doing the show and not um and the audience not knowing that that uh, he died perhaps I don't know um and it's funny do you know if Johnny mentioned that uh because it happened you know do you know if he mentioned it on the show that night? No I don't believe he did he I didn't okay it. yeah because again it's weird because people again when they tune in at 1130... They don't realize that the show was was taped at 5 30 so if anything happens between 5 30 and 11 30 or anything right up to the moment of recording that show it's tough because you you know um if they have a planned show and all the jokes are written the question is do we pull what we wrote and sort of wing it or do we just go on with the show that we wrote record it and then address this tomorrow so it's yeah that could be um that could be a hairy uh a hairy thing but um but apparently nobody nobody said any obviously no one no one mentioned that to you because you know no no one said you know the once the word was out no one knew that you had mentioned it or anything i'm sure people heard from other folks yeah and it yeah and it's funny now go on
2: that's right Where um sorry i was gonna go because with studio one is and studio three is which is always reserved for johnny carson studio one Mm -hmm. and um the next day the particular day the gong show was in studio three Mm -hmm. and studio one and studio three has glass windows walls doors and um but uh, every time we would work the the gong show, we would find empty liquor bottles. So that's why the <laughs> audiences were so crazy. I mean, these people were freaking crazy.
1: <laughs> wow.
2: Uh, I mean, it was, we were like, what's going to happen tonight? But this one particular night, this lady comes by, wants to get in the line, and she's drunk already and hasn't even gotten into the studio. I mean, she's belligerently drunk, and we wouldn't let her in and she wasn't having any of it. So anyway, she finally walked away and then she comes back in a jeep and runs through the glass doors to get wow. into the studio. Oh my yeah. god. So, so so what happened? Oh my god. All those doors I mean, they didn't use, they did use this the um studio, but they didn't have audiences for it the next day, you know, the, until they got the, the glass fixed. Of course in DC got it fixed fast.
1: Right, right. Wow. So 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 that was the audience getting ready to go into the gong show. Uh this person, you know, uh obviously you wouldn't you know, she she was drunk, she you wouldn't let her in. Um so so did this for so for that show, did they bring whoever was there left or had that work, did, did they shoot no, and they, go? They, it went on, so it, it did it go into the studio, it
2: just came into the lobby.
1: Oh, okay, wow,
2: yeah, 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 I never entered the studio because wow. like, there's a lobby there in case it was storming, they would let audience stand inside. Oh, okay, wow, but not for the tonight show because the audiences were way too big.
1: Oh, wow, what was yeah. it? It's so, and it's funny, I didn't even realize because remember, I again, I was very young at the time uh, watching the gong show and I'm sure I have very fond memories of it. And I'm sure many people do as well. Um, so that's so cool that the gong show was, was also shot there. And, and did you work, did you go and watch okay. the shows live, you know, or, or as they were shot? Oh
2: yeah. yeah yeah
1: So what was that like? We were, yeah. Tell us that. It
2: was crazy watching these people in the audience. It was just, they were more of a show than the, the, judges on the show wow the celebrities i remember one particular time there was a um, fraternity and they were drunk they got drunk after they got in the studio because i saw their liquor bottles and they were pie alphas and at eastern kentucky university i was pie cap alpha dream girl so i told them that so they all got down on their knees and started singing that the dream girl song to me (laughs) wow so that's how crazy it can get
1: wow so and and again, it was interesting where, you know, obviously they would the 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 performers, you know, they would throw in those um those uh ringers, I guess would, you know, they would they would be really bad performers, we would, would be hilarious. Uh and and it was just such a fun, it was such a fun show. Do you remember any crazy uh maybe things that didn't make air? Some crazy, you know, any performers yeah. who did or or pretty much everything. Made. It. Oh, hey. Wow. Wow,
2: they released the craziest things.
1: So, yeah, I was crazy. Wow, that was a great show. Um, And then even I know that didn't they? They and again, people could comment. uh, I think they brought the show back, but the host was Mike Myers, dressed as some other character. Do you remember that?
2: I do remember that Chuck Barris couldn't be beat though.
1: Yeah, it was some weird thing like. And again people could comment on it uh, on the website it was like they brought it back and I don't think I don't think anyone even knew it was Mike Myers um it was some other person you know his other he made up a character um so I think the whole thing was very confusing but it was you know the the show was so much fun and of course we have America's Got Talent and we have other you know American Idol and we have things that sort of show talent um or Star Search but the gong show was really the first uh, or one of the first to do that type of stuff. And
2: It was so bad talent.
1: Right. Right. It was so much fun. Yeah. And that was, yeah. that of course was the fun part. And yeah. and then having yeah. them gong them off, which was, uh, which was awesome. Uh, yeah. No, I love it. So I guess we'll, we'll wrap it up. We have one more story. So I know that for our, for NBC pages in New York, um, we would go to, um, to hurley's uh, hurley's bar on the corner uh during like saturday night live we would during our stays or when we had a break we would go to the bar everyone would be down at the bar and then they would go and like spill the audience after snl was over and i know that we had other um you know from other shows people would go to hurley's and and hang out so that was sort of the the in-house bar and we had Blake's, which was another every Wednesday. They had NBC night and they gave away free food and such. But oh, wow. um, yeah, it was kind of cool. So uh, you had mentioned that Carol O'Connor uh, owned a restaurant and that you guys would, yeah. would go there. So what was that about?
2: There's a story that leads up to that.
1: Okay, yeah. Tell me okay. yeah
2: um On July 11th, 1978, oh. was my last day at NBC. Oh, wow. Exactly one year. And I got to do stump the band.
1: Oh wow, oh, that's so cool! It. Wow. Yeah. Oh, tell us. But yeah. yeah, tell us about that. So, so again, did they they pick you to to do it? They said, okay, you're going to do it tonight. And yeah, what you well, have, and explain that to the audience. That that's so cool. Usually,
2: you know, they draw names to see, but it was or no, wait, it's the most of the senior senior uh, page. Okay. But because it was my last day. Bruce Rubenstein is my hero to this day. He let me do it. Because oh. I was, yes. <laughs> so, and then you go through makeup, you get treated like the star. Mm. And um so I got to do something bad. And if they want to, if your audience wants to, they can go to YouTube, L-E-S-A-M-A-T-T-I-N-G-L-Y my site on YouTube and you could see me on Stump the Band.
1: Oh, good. I will do that. <laughs> I will yeah. take you out. <laughs> What's up I,
2: I was the first one to get a video of it because VCRs had just come out. Wow. And a friend of mine was given one by Barry Manilow because he worked with Barry Manilow. Wow. So anyway, he, it re-ran later on in the summer. or so he, he taped it for me. Wow. Anyway, I had, got to do something the Band and Shelly Herman, my buddy, she would stand over at the side because, you know, you're supposed to stand two steps behind him. You're not supposed to be right upon him, mm. Johnny. Mm. But it was my last day. What were they going to do, fire me? <laughs> so she was my stage manager. I would look over at her and she would tell me, move a little or, you know, right. move me back. And so I was on camera constantly. Wow. And I've got a video of it. And, and he turned around at the end. He said, thank you, hon. Mm. My friends went crazy over that. <laughs> but yeah, like we always, we also had a place to go to after during, like after the Tonight Show monologue, we had 20 minutes. So we would go across the street to Los Caballos and have a margarita. And then whoever was off would go home. And then whoever was working the show would go back to work. But um, one night, two weeks after "Stump the Band," we were at the Ginger Man, which was owned by Carol O'Connor and I think his name is Patrick O'Neill. Patrick O'Neill. There was one in New York City, oh. and they opened the one in L.A.
1: Wait, now wait, I'm going to stop you there because when you mentioned the Ginger Man, um, the Ginger Man is right. It's on, th- uh, you know. It's right down. It's co- it's a couple of blocks from me. That actually was my favorite place. Uh, I actually met my my my. It's one of uh, my girlfriend. That's one of our favorite places. Unfortunately, they they closed during COVID. So you're telling me that that this ginger man is the same was the same related to the L A one. That's
2: my memory.
1: Oh, that's so funny. Oh, that's so, oh, that's the- so cool because that literally is one. Of, they they have like a million beers on tap. Is that did they have it uh, in L A.
2: No, no, not at the time. No.
1: Okay, okay. So I was I'm...
2: a wine drinker, so oh, okay. I didn't pay attention to the beer. No. But anyway, we were all, uh, Shelly and Roxanne, my roommate, and I, and somebody else, it might have been Sandy Shore, we were at this table in the Ginger Band next to the bar, and this table beside us kept turning around and looking. And it, I thought it was because my friend Joe Santos, who was on Rockford Files, he played Lieutenant Becker, was sitting with us. And this one table kept staring at our table. (laughs) And finally, this one girl said, where do I know you from? Well, I thought she was talking about Joe. And I said, this is Joe Santos. He's on Rockford Files. She goes, no, no. And Roxanne (laughs) said, well, Lisa was on, Stump the band a couple weeks ago. They said, "That's it. Wow. That's where we saw you."
1: <laughs> that is funny.
2: I, we laughed so hard. Wow. Yeah, those were my adventures.
1: Wow, that is anyway. so. It's so fun that you were that you were rec- that you were recognized. What did did they? I hate to say, did they ask for an autograph? <laughs> no, no.
2: I think they were afraid to. we were laughing so hard.
1: Wow. Uh-huh. Oh, that's funny.
2: Bill was like, really.
1: Are you kidding me? Yeah, I was going to, that was my next question. I'm like, what is, Joe was like, what am I, chopped liver? What a, yeah, you know. Like, with his hands up in there, air, like, what
2: the heck?
1: <laughs> <laughs> wow. It is funny. And I, and we've had, you know, again, some pages being on TV, it's like during Letterman or, or the Stump the Band. It is kind of funny. And I guess. I mean, I, I don't know, with, with with TikTok and all these others, I mean, you know, people get out there and millions of people see them, but to get on network TV um, is not an easy task. And, and it's funny you mentioned earlier with the VCR. It's true. It's like if you didn't watch it live uh, and you didn't, you know, happen to have the VCR going or know when to record it, those moments were lost forever. So it's really cool that you were able to record it because if you didn't record it you would you really would never have that uh yeah you would never have it
2: I would just have a black and white picture
1: right Me and John yeah well if they
2: did take pictures of us, so we would have memories of that
1: oh really so yeah. so oh that's so cool and oh that's so yeah. neat so they would literally just and it's so funny because again people who watch the show probably don't think anything of it but you mentioned that you've got hair you know hair and makeup uh you know went up and then for them to even take a picture, is so nice because they, yeah. you know, that, that's like really cool, you know. Yeah. Um, I got my picture with Johnny and that's so. Wow.
2: Strange.
1: Wow. Isn't that amazing? I mean, just to think, you know, Johnny Carson, um, it, it's so amazing. And I, I know that I, uh as a, I don't either as a page or a non-page, I can't remember, but I did see the tonight show of, you know, I think once or twice and again just and the same thing with letterman to go into the studio to see it in person uh as a viewer is you almost feel like you're in this like you've stepped through the tv and it's like you can't believe that you're like there and you see johnny's desk and the curtain um, it's just so crazy. And then of course to work, you know, like I did, I felt that way for Letterman and, and like just seeing Johnny, but for then you for to work and be, be there. Do you remember, did, did, and so you held the envelopes and they, I guess you well, handed them the envelopes, right? Do you, do, do you remember what you gave him or, or what the story was with those?
2: Oh, there were just dinners. Just 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 dinners. Yeah.
1: And, and did you give away all of the envelopes? Did you have any extras or
2: no, but actually he used to do just one segment of and then go to commercial. This particular time he did two segments.
1: Oh wow. Wow. Yeah.
2: So I've yeah, I've got yeah, almost 15 minutes of video. Wow. Me on a tonight show that I cherish so much. I have my memories I cherish from those days. Right. And I just worked there for a year.
1: Right. Yeah. And it's funny because we I've I've talked about this in the past even though you know my my time was 18 months uh, i think maybe now it's a year yours was a year and i think it fluctuated but so much happened in that one year like I've, i have a million stories and it sounds like you do too and a lot of the pages do and it's weird like like i've worked in you know for 30 years i've worked other places i don't have any <laughs> those stories are pretty boring i mean I have some interesting stories but there was so much happening in that short period of time it's such, it's such a weird, it's so weird. I, I don't even know. It just like every day there was, I guess, because there was another celebrity or another show and things rolled on. I mean, it was always, you know, pe- people, I guess, also don't re- realize how much work goes into producing a show. Uh, there's so many people involved in such craziness that, a, you know, a lot happens. I mean, I guess in a, in a regular job, you know, you wake up, you go to work, you know, you had a meeting or two, you know, you do some paperwork, you go home. Um, right. Some of that intense, you know, uh, you know, when I worked in news, you know, so much happens in such a condensed period of time. It It's, it's exhausting, you know?
2: Yeah. And you know what? And they can make you feel, the celebrities can make you feel better about yourself. Cause I, I hate my voice. Hmm. It's just so coarse. And one day I was going through the studio, and uh, Henry Winkler.
1: Um, oh my God!
2: Said hello, and I said hello. How are you? And he goes, oh, "I love your voice." Wow! And I was like, "Really? <laughs> you can have it."
1: Well, two like, things.
2: Things like that. It's just,
1: it's amazing. Where? Well, tell me, and I and I have to. I'll I'll have to tell my Henry story. But tell me, how did you meet him? Why Why was he there, or what was going on at that point?
2: He, I, I don't know. He had just gotten married the Saturday before that. No. Oh. So I—that's what it was. I congratulated him on on his marriage. Wow. His wedding, and he goes, "Oh, thank you. Yeah, I love your voice. That's—I remember that now. Yeah. God. So you know, but he had at the Emmys my first year, actually the first month or so I was working there on uh, NBC aired the Emmy Awards. And Roxanne and I were assigned backstage with the press. Yeah. Well, he was standing back there for something. He stood there and talked to us for like 20 minutes. Wow. It's just, you know, it's like I said, it's the big ones. Right. That are even bigger.
1: And he was obviously on uh, Happy Days at that point. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So so again, and I have to tell my Henry story because I, Henry Winkler is my favorite you know, I mean, maybe, maybe, I don't know. He actually, I mean, he's my favorite person of all time. And especially when I was little and I remember, uh, the only thing I wanted to do was to go see happy days recorded, you know, in person. And, uh, and of course the show went off the air and I, I was like, those dreams are shattered, you know, forever. But I went to Emerson and we had, uh, something called the Hollywood seminar where we went to the West coast and met you know, uh famous, real working producers, actors that went to Emerson to sort of you know show us the ropes. And one you know one day we wake up and we're saying we're going to go visit Henry Winkler, and and I pretty much was like, after today I could I could get hit by a bus, and be happy. Like I'm like I saw you know so I so it was funny he was shooting he was the executive producer of Turner and Hooch, and oh yeah yeah, yeah. right. And actually, to this day, um, Tom Hanks, the nicest guy in show business, and Henry Winkler have this feud going or this sort of, you know, I don't want to say like a hatred of each other. But we, we went to um, Henry Winkler's office, and I believe it was in Paramount. So I think we went through the iconic, you know, pillars, you know, going into Paramount. And I remember... I mean, literally, I, I the only person on earth that I ever wanted to meet, I remember we, we were going through the hallways and I walked into his office first. The head of the group, there was like 12 of us. I walked in, he was standing behind the desk and I just walked right up to him, shook his hand. I said, so nice to meet you. He shook my hand and I was like, OK, great. Now I could die. And I was like, just to, so, so he was, but he was very fra- uh, frazzled. He was literally like, Oh my God. Oh my God. And he was freaking out, freaking out, freaking out. So we, you know, he, and he, you know, he had, again, he was taking time out of his busy schedule to talk to us, you know, lowly, you know, college students. So he goes, guys, uh, you know, welcome. Uh, I'm really crazy. Uh, <clears throat> let me show you something. So he goes and he grabs a VHS of a robot he goes he goes let me show you this he goes this is the robot of of the dog that was appearing in in uh turner and hooch i guess it was hooch <laughs> i guess it was hooch so he goes yeah. he literally said he goes we have to shove a uh thermometer up its ass and you know we need to get a close-up of his face you know so what do you think of this dog he goes we have a couple of dogs tell me which one you like better so he puts the v- vhs in he i think he played one tape and it was like one robot who didn't Look, you know, it looked OK, whatever. I think he popped it out, put another tape in. And now the tape started rolling. You remember, like when the VHS tapes would like yeah. would like, you know, stutter or whatever. So he's he's playing it for us. And and I'm going to I'm getting goosebumps even telling you the story. So the, the VHS starts rolling and it kind of like gets it wasn't playing correctly. Henry Winkler walks over to the VHS and he hits it with his hand. Just like he did with the jukebox at Arnold's, and the VHS starts playing, I literally That's just hilarious. I just said, "Guys, do you realize what we just saw? We just saw the fans walk over to this thing, hit it, and it starts working." I said, "I, I said, just shoot me now." I said, "I literally am done." So I'm in heaven. I'm in heaven. I was, I was blown away, and it literally played. And, you know, and then it turned out that that in real life, Henry Winkler, I guess he wasn't managing the production very well. So they fired him from Turner and Hooch. And I think it was I think it was Tom Hanks who got him fired. So so to this day, and I don't I don't know if they've made up, but I think that's what, you know, that's why they hated each other, because Tom Hanks got Henry Winkler fired. Um, and someone else took over the, the the executive producer position, and and it was and that's why they you know it was a crazy story. But uh is that insane? And again, it all it all stems from being you know I was a page, and then I went on to go to Emerson, and then you know and, and Henry Winkler was an Emersonian.
2: Yeah, it's the uh, things that yeah. are big.
1: Yeah, he was so he was so nice. um yeah. yeah, I love I love him. He's like my favorite my favorite guy.
2: time for
1: people right exactly again here he was really genuinely freaking out about about I guess that you know everything was going wrong and you know these college students come in and I guess he had promised you know to to introduce you know to say hello and uh you know and he went ahead and did it and he was very friendly to us even though he wound up getting fired you know but but he, he he held true and and we all know To this day, everyone loves Henry Winkler. He's done a million things and he's so nice, you know.
2: And it didn't hurt his career, did it?
1: Exactly. It didn't hurt his career. Exactly. He went, you know, he wound up being like, he went out to go do so many amazing things. Even, even uh, MacGyver, you know, right. He was, he was the executive producer, I think, of MacGyver. Um, I don't
2: know. I didn't watch that show.
1: Yeah. So, so again, yeah, to my, to my knowledge, he was the executive producer or creator of MacGyver. So this iconic show which everybody, you know, well, for those that watched it, um, you know, everyone that term to MacGyver something for all we know, exactly. he, you know, he may have even written, written that line. I don't know. So, well, listen, I can't thank you enough. You shared so many amazing stories, and this has been such a pleasure. I, I, it, it's amazing. So, did was did, did you? Um, uh, I know you were a little nervous about coming on the show and and everything else, but you you did you did wonderfully, and it was fantastic. So. I can't thank you enough, and I know the listeners, um, I'm sure, are going to love hearing your stories. Uh, and so my heart is very happy. Right. Now. Oh, it's great. I mean, it's just again, even from 1977, um, and I was born in 1967, so you know, uh, I was yeah. a young. Man, but to get these stories from people that that were there back in the day, you Every know, day. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that was the you know the magic of you know the the golden age of television or or sort of, <laughs> I guess not really, but, yes. you know, but, but again, to, to have you share these stories and I'm sure that the folks listening um, are going to remember so many of these things. And again, the fact that you were able to rub shoulders with so many famous folks as if, as, and then again, they treated you like an equal Um exactly. is just incredible. So I can't thank you enough.
2: Well, thank you for, for asking me to do this.
1: Well, it was actually my, my pleasure. So uh, I guess we'll we'll give you a shout out. So, uh, everybody, let's give it up for Lisa Mattingly. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening to A Page in History. A Page in History is produced by David Harris Katz Entertainment. For more information on our television shows, syndication and more, go to dhcats.com. And to listen to more episodes of A Page in History, or if you've been lucky enough to call yourself one of the world famous NBC pages and would like to appear on the show, go to apageinhistory.tv.